Welcome, everybody, to episode 139 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three Pod on Twitter, and you can send us email at Hello, hello. at Two on Three Pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm Chris, and fall is in the air, and you can find me at CD Villasenor on Twitter, and with me per usual is Ty. Where can we find you tweeting about autumnal delights? I don't like it when it gets cold. <laughs> you can find me bitching heavily about it at, at, at S-E-A-T-J-K. <laughs> I feel like the last couple of weeks of Smoky, Smoky Town um, really sort of just, you know, I feel like we got sort of just aced out of our last, like, bit of summer. I yeah, mean, well, I mean, that was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, okay. So to, to, to amplify <laughs> Ty's point, we, we were playing golf on a beautiful day like in early September. And I said, "Hey, well, at least we didn't have any fires this year. And then the week later, it was a disaster. Who could have, so, who could have seen it coming? Well, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I apologize for that. I don't think it was, I don't believe my, uh, I don't believe my presence on this planet has that much influence on such things, but I believe we all understand that that's simply not how these things work. <laughs> Maybe it was my fault. I don't. I don't want to tell you. As far Sorry. as I'm concerned. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate the apology. But yeah. So we. But then we slid straight into rainy town, which is fine because now it's at least not smoky town. And uh, and I hope uh, this rain helps out all the people who are suffering from being up close and personal with the fires because that is not fun nor cool. I'm sure. No. Among other things. Yeah. The world's yeah. in a state of dis. Well, our world is in a state of disarray in a way that it's certainly never been. That I can recall as an adult. Things are just kind of stacking up. You'd think. <laughs> but we're here to help you work through that. Because that's what we do. Yeah, we're, we're divert, diversive entertainment. <laughs> and so in, in, uh, in typical two-on-three fashion tonight, we're going to talk about golf, movies, and TV. There you go. <laughs> there you have it. What else, what else is there? Um, but before we get into the, into the segments tonight... Um, I just wanted to talk about my daughter, who is currently trolling my wife, which is kind of hilarious in that. The other week, I decided I'm just going to give in to the hype. and I'm going to listen to this this Cardi B, Megan the Stallion song, hit song, okay. called... Now, I would, would want to call it WAP, but it might be called WAP. Is there... Is there do, we, do we know? I've definitely heard WAP, but I'm... I also prefer WAP. I think it makes more sense. Also, it's not a homonym with a racial slur. <laughs> right. Right. But I, I but I hear most of the kids calling it WAP. But I don't understand why. It's a short whatever. A sound. Yes. This is a anyway. gif gif situation. <laughs> right. So I'm going to call it WAP for for the um and risk being Why don't you call it uncool. the WAP? The WAP. I'm going to call yeah. it the WAP. <laughs> and run the risk of being uncool, like an uncool old guy. Well, so, if you're really uncool, you say that the, the WAP is a medical condition. <laughs> anyway. It, it could be. You know, I don't know what's going on. So I finally sit down and I listen to this work of immense nuance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think to myself, well, I'm old, and this is like the most foul song that I've ever heard, and it's very, it's useless and kind of obvious, but I guess they're having fun with it, so whatever. Is it worse than any song you've ever heard, really? 
No, no. It's, How old were you when Two Live Crew was hit? You were like, what, 20? No, I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, it was filthy. But okay. <laughs> but I was young. But I was young and not old. See, I already, I already tipped, I already tipped my hand and said I was old. Yeah. Yeah. So dirty songs when you're young are kind of fun. But dirty songs when you're older is like, why are they, why are they talking about this anyway? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort of just roll my eyes the whole endeavor, but I don't have any feelings about it. Like people no. getting all mad about it is so hilarious to me. It's like so well, bad. So I'm not, I'm not angry about it. I'm just no, I'm not I'm saying just, you are, but right. there are lots of people who oh, are very angry about sure it. Sure, there are. Sure, there are. And like one of our, you know, one of our favorite songs of all time for our generation is Sir Mix a Lot. You know, he likes the big butts. And it's, we all, yeah, yeah, and we and we all love that song, and it's great. And when it comes on, we all sort of bop along to it, and it's great. I do think, though, from a mainstream point of view, and this is something that I tweeted some allusion to maybe a year ago or something like that. It's like when I was a kid, like Boys to Men was going to make love to you. Bruno <laughs> Mars just comes out and says he's going to fuck you on the rug. <laughs> like it's no, there's no nuance or like allusion to it at all. No, exactly. I mean, so this is. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's my issue with it. Is just it's just so obvious and not well thought out. I mean, it's just like, okay. But anyway, I get why kids like it, and I get. I guess I you know I understand. So and so, what does this have to do with your daughter and your wife? So, (laughs) so, so, I finally sat down. uh, Well, I was talking to my daughter about it. I said, "Hey, I finally sat down and and listened to the Cardi B, Megan Stallion WAP song." And I said, that thing is, it's, it's garbage. And she goes, dad, it's such a bop. Like, Cause that's what she says. Right. Dad, it's such a bop, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, fine. It's like, <laughs> whatever. So a couple of days later, like my wife and daughter come in from the, they're, I don't know, they were at the store or whatever and walks in. And then my wife says to me, she says, your daughter wants me to listen to this song. And I looked at my daughter and I said, you do not, you are not going to play the whap for your mom. Like, don't do it. <laughs> like, I see, I understand why I'm okay with it, but my wife is not going to be okay with it. She's not going to be okay with the whap song at all. Yeah, I can't <laughs> see that going well. <laughs> and my daughter's dangling it, like dangling it. Uh, because she has, in fact, played some relatively, like there was one point maybe a year, eh, a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Or she liked this boy at school, and this boy at school um, was into exceedingly um, N-heavy, N-word heavy rap music. Okay. So she was playing a lot of N-word heavy rap music. Okay. And she put some on in the car while she was in with there with my wife. And my wife was, was like, what is this? <laughs> right. Well, it's rap music, <laughs> right? And I told and I told my daughter the same thing. It's like you know what you what you listen to your, in your headphones is all about you. I don't really care. Huh. It's fine, but I don't want n word heavy rap music played in my car over the right. You know, you can have that for yourself. I'm just not into it. It's not my mm-hmm. thing. So I don't want I don't want to hear it. So now she so now maybe she's trolling me. Maybe this was a troll on me as opposed to my wife. Because then my wife had to ask me. She's like, "So what? What is this song you're talking about? What is this WAP song?" I'm like, "It's just about. It's just about two young women." Yeah, she's just pushing buttons. Yeah, she's just pushing buttons. All you have to do is tell your wife it's a song about boners, but reverse. (laughs) It's about lady boners. Yeah, there you go. It's a song about all about lady boners. Well, she listens to the podcast, so she's gonna she'll she'll pick this up and be like, "Okay, I get it now." Well, let me ask you a question. Sure. Well, she, I wish I could just ask her. I wish she was in the room with you. So she didn't hear this anyway. Was there ever a period where your wife was like into rap music? 
No, God, no. Okay, I didn't. So it's. I mean, we're we're not even talking about like might have some potential like interest in it latently, and this is just a bridge too far. It's it's not. I'm out from the get go. Plus, the subject matter is just a non-starter. No, she's like from classical music family, and right. and they they never got around to rap and hip hop. It just never it never made it around that far. A shame, really. <laughs> Let, let alone, you know, let alone, you know, it's one of those things where her family would be over at our house and they'll turn on classical music station. And know how we do things like when you hear something start, you go, hey, that's that's Sir Mix a lot, you know, and you're like, and the, but they do that with classical music. Like the first three notes will come out and they go, oh, this is the fourth movement of the blood. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Well, next and time it, you go down there for the high holidays, when you can do that again, <laughs> I just you should from. put on some little dicky and be like, this is Jewish music. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> I just we were just you know we just did the Rosh Hashanah thing. I yeah. missed my big chance there. So I mean, yeah, I mean, well, come on now, dirty music's nothing new though. I think that your your, really. your daughter is just shaking. She's probably, yeah, she's just shaking your tree. She both yeah, of you. Yeah. I mean, she she knows what she's doing is she's going to make it so that your wife has to come ask you about it, and then you're gonna have to explain it and or play it for her separately. And then right. she's not really going to get mad at your daughter. She's gonna get mad at you for being the one who has permitted this environment to occur. <laughs> That's 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 probably true. <laughs> All right. I mean, right before the show, I was singing the Out There Brothers. <laughs> Quite literally, the lyric is, put your nani on my tongue and your booty on my face. And this song is 25 years old. I mean. <laughs> sure. Again, artists of tremendous nuance. Kaboom, boom, boom. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> All right, here's our segments tonight. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open because it was pretty sweet. Uh, we're gonna talk about the uh, the David. We're gonna do a David Fincher stack rank, which is a little bit different than our usual um, bracket bracket move that we usually do. And we're gonna talk a little bit about the Emmys awards and whether they count for anything, especially to people like us. Okay. Okay. So obviously, uh, obviously, Dejatwa follows, and uh, then we'll do a little overtime. Overtime. All right. Segment number one. So the U.S. Open Golf Tournament just concluded recently, as of Sunday, <laughs> where they played at the famous Winged Foot, home of maybe the crustiest jackass membership in like maybe the history of the world, like the richest, most complainy people ever. Yeah, why don't you tell our listeners where Winged Foot is? So Winged Foot is in New York, um, near Westchester, near in that sort of upper crusty suburban. I actually don't know how to say the, the town name. No, I don't. It's it's it's, it's Mamarinek. <laughs> Mamarinek, yeah, the, Mamarinek like or something like that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's but but the thing about Wingfoot is everybody who belongs there, who's a member, who pays an exorbitant amount of money to be part of this thing, thinks it's the hardest golf course in the world, and right. they and and they're the kind of people who got on the USGA hard after. The USG set it up. Yes, the USGA set it up kind of easy for the pros on the opening day, just because they didn't want them to be out there for a month while they were fighting daylight and all this kind of stuff. Because usually, which this, to be clear, they still didn't finish. Right. On and day this one. Us, because it usually happens in June, right? Where you can play till whenever, but now it's September and you can't. Anyway, so they got all they all they got all crappy about it when people were shooting under par on their course. Yeah, which, and I'm, so do you feel like uh, besides the I'm just. Uh, 
curious about your take on the architecture in that do you feel like what's hard about it is that essentially there's large trees about five feet off the fairway like to me that's when i look at that i'm like that that doesn't really look that much different than what i deal with around here anyway so it's, it's just longer i mean they just set it up for for pros it's hard because they make them they make them do impossible. They set up impossible shots for them, right? Sure. Like they, they narrow up the fairways. You've got to hook it around this tree, but there's nowhere to land it <laughs> on that line. If you, unless you, you know, and, and so they can trick it up and it feels a little tricked up to me, but, but the comments from the, you know, the comments that you hear relayed by the media about the membership getting all bent out of shape about that first day where people were shooting five under on their course <laughs> makes me just makes me gag hard. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before that the hardest part about being an avid golfer is like being a part of a community that isn't always reflecting with your value. It doesn't always reflect your values. Yeah. I like the sport. I don't necessarily, I don't really like anything about the culture. I like the, yeah, exactly. I like the game. I like playing the game. And there are a lot of, again, there are a lot of good parts about the game, but there are certainly pockets of the culture, of the golf culture that are, that are just, you know, unbearable. Yeah. Right? Like my golf media diet is almost exclusively new school for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people that understand it's just, it is just a game. You don't have to take it. it yes. You, you should have some decorum and, you know, particularly respect for the track. Like, I, I mean, you get these guys out here bitching and complaining. And I'm like, are you, are you fixing your ball marks right. on the green? Like you, that's what re- I care are you, about. Are you replacing your divots? Right. Like, are you, are you keeping the course up? I don't, yeah, I don't care about your hoity toity. This is my special spot. Like, <laughs> if I'm out here and I'm trying to hit a putt and I've got to fix some rogue ball mark, then you and I are at odds. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or if you play with people who are, who are obviously sort of, they don't care about that kind of stuff. You're just like, what are we doing? Well, I just, I fix everybody's shit. Now. <laughs> if it's near me, I'm just fixing it. <laughs> but the uh, but obviously the big story about uh, of the week was the fact that it was won by Mr. Bryson DeChambeau, who is a very much a polarizing figure in in the sport. Sure. How do you, how do you feel about about Bryson? It's complicated. <laughs> I mean, we've talked before. It's it's a hideous game to watch. Uh, it's really it looks really uncomfortable. And outside of, and you know, I mean, but maybe it's just not what I'm used to, right? I mean, there's, there's different ways to do things and you can have an ugly jump shot, still make buckets. So I don't know that my opinion on whether or not your, your swing is aesthetically pleasing really matters. His results have sort of, sort of shown themselves, um, you know, when he was able to get it all the way up to the green, he was dominant early in the season. And then as the season wore on, he, he seemed to struggle with his short game. So, but to watch him bring it back and in, in conditions like this and, What's amazing is that, like that arm lock putting. That's hideous to look at, but oh, it's yeah, obviously awful. effective. Yeah, um, and and he's not the he's not the only one who does the arm lock, but he does it in that. In he's the only one who does it in the way he does it. He looks like he's much, always trying to squeeze, like hold an almond between his butt cheeks at all times. Like when he's <laughs> when he's hitting and when he's putting. Just like, you gotta looks, activate those glutes, man. I guess. I guess maybe he is. Maybe that's his secret. Maybe that is his secret. The, He's holding um, small nuts in his ass crack while he takes his golf swing. I, here's the thing about it. I, I, it bugs me that he thinks he's a physicist. We've talked about this before. Yes, we have. So that, that the part genius. The, thing. <laughs> the genius. But there was a. Uh, I did end up catching a. Uh, there's a. There's a show on the Golf Channel called Swing Expedition with Chris Como. Okay. And and there was one with Bryson. 
and it was and he and he's very thoughtful about what he's doing like he's he he really everything that happens happens with a purpose mm-hmm. and i don't know a lot of people who would commit to what he committed to over the past year in terms of like just eating monster protein shakes all the time and packing on 40 pounds onto his onto his frame in order to hit the ball absolutely as far as he could i mean it's just a it's just a crazy thing to think of if somebody if somebody said to you well, somebody said to you, you have a year to do this. If, if, if they said, hey, I could guarantee you 35 more driver yards, would you pack on 40 pounds onto your frame to get it and do I, the work? I, well, if I can, I just change the existing 40 pounds I have. <laughs> I don't really, I don't want 40 more pounds. Can I lose 40 pounds and then pack on 40 pounds? If you could guarantee me the results, I would do it. Like, if yeah. you could tell me for sure, like, if you spend the next six months doing this, if you lose 20 pounds and then gain 20 pounds back, and I'm going to give you an extra 35 yards on your driver, and you're going to drop your handicap into, like, basically close to scratch, I would I would commit to that. You now, I wouldn't be able to because I don't have no. the time. Right. But if right. I was, yeah, if I was funded, and I would do those things. But my issues with Bryson, aesthetic, aesthetics aside, I mean, if we're talking about aesthetics, he has uh, kind of taken his... He's made himself ugly, which is weird. Like yeah. he was kind of a good-looking guy when he was on more on the slender side, uh-huh. unique but but attractive. And he's really his face got real big along with the rest of his body. Sure, and like, it, yeah, he's like a just a big like he's just like a brick of cheese now, right? He's like this he's like this big rectangle of a dude. Yeah, and like I said, it's 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 the kind of thing that crazy people do, <laughs> right? Well, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Christian Bale losing 65 pounds in the mechanic and almost dying just right. to be in the movie, you know, to, just to play a movie part. You're like, like people in the right mind don't do stuff like that. But he was hard to look at. Like he had a few days of stubble, like on Friday or Saturday, and then he was like sweaty. <laughs> right. And what he's done to his face, it was just, it was real bad. He just yeah. looked, it looked unwell. Yeah. And he, he looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Like he's like carrying, but Man, but you you grab a you grab a W, you, you grab a major. I mean, you know. If you told me I, I had to put in six months and I'd win a U.S. Open, I'd absolutely do it. But yeah, I mean, but aesthetics aside, um, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. And sure. like, not in like a endearing way. Like, I know people don't like Pat Reed. I find Pat Reed's like prickishness sort of endearing. I don't know what it is about it. He's just he doesn't. He doesn't carry himself like he's better than you, even if he just acts like a jerk. He's more of a Jay Cutler style asshole. <laughs> Whereas Bryson DeChambeau is like, you know, I mean, like rude to the camera guy, right? I mean, that's yeah. I can't deal with the rude to the service people types. Like that's that's a complete out for me. It's a cross off. I can't I can't be around you. I, I don't I don't want to have anything to do with you. Yeah. So it's hard for me to appreciate his game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I understand. I mean, that's the uh, when it when when it comes right down to it, I I have a basic level of respect for what he's doing. Yeah. And I was trying to think of like a music par- like corollary where I respect the work, but I don't appreciate it. Right. Right. There's like, exactly. You, you appreciate the like pitbull. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> works. Mr. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. I don't want to listen to any of that, but yeah, good for you. He's hustling. Yeah. He but he's works. also doesn't seem like an asshole. He seems like a good dude. Like he I was works. thinking of an asshole. Maybe, maybe Chris Brown. I don't know. <laughs> Talented, yeah. but but majorly flawed. Yes. 
Yeah, I you know and I don't know if I don't know if I would put Bryson into Chris Brown's <laughs> <laughs> strata in terms of personally flawed. We don't know. We don't. Know. We don't know what's going. On. Allegedly, allegedly, we don't, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, but um, but I think that I think that you know it's funny to see somebody like um, like a, like someone like Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. who if Rory McIlroy would have hit all hit his ball in all the same places that Bryson hit all his, which he's certainly capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And won the U.S. Open, people would have celebrated it like, "Oh my God, it's the greatest rounds of golf I've ever seen." Rory McIlroy, what an amazing, amazing, amazing! And then Bryson DeChambeau does it, and then half the people are like, "It was amazing," and the other half are like, oh, "Fuck it, whatever." He's a roid monster and a blah. <laughs> it's just he's that kind of person, and that kind of is going to make his career to me much more interesting going forward because everyone's there's going to be at least. One part praise and one part shit for everything that he does from here on out. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's the relatability aspect. Yeah. Rory's not a very big dude. He works out a lot, but he's not like particularly large in stature. Um, his game is aesthetically pleasing. He has one of the prettiest swings maybe ever. Sure. Um, he was a wonder kind who then went through sort of a down period and, and a redemption story is something people like. Nobody wants a weirdo who showed up being an asshole. With a bunch of his own weird equipment, doing things like, you know, like doing some crazy thing. Nobody really wants to see that succeed because they can't relate to the process, right? He's already like taking it at one step away by saying, I'm doing all this math and this is what my approach says I should do, even though you think it looks bad. And then also, again, has the behaviorals and then, you know, and then goes through this process of just stacking on all of this muscle like a maniac and then like playing a game in a way that people already were complaining about before he even showed up. Bomb and gouge already is something that's not particularly popular. I don't think with, uh, with the purists. Sure. So, you know, I, I get where everyone's coming from on this. I see all sides <laughs> of this and I sort of agree with everybody. Yeah. That's what, like I said, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. By the way, three guys, three men in the history of golf have won the NCAA men's title, the U.S. men's amateur, and the men's U.S. Open. Okay. Tiger. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the AM champions well enough to... Spieth? No. No? Three guys. Tiger, Jack, Bryson. Mm. That's it? Oh, that's right. I remember seeing that graphic. They're just three of them. Anyway, it's a good list to be on. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that, that that move looks like it's not really built for longevity. <laughs> burn it down. Just burn it up. Just crush your body. Be done at 33 like Jason Day. All right. Anyway, on to segment two. Uh, the Ringer this week was running a little David Fincher. That's David Fincher week at The Ringer. Okay. Which, uh, which is cool because I like David Fincher movies. I think he's got a really... I mean, it's when you when you turn on a movie, you can like say, "Oh, that's a David Fincher movie." Like the way just the way things are lit and framed, and it has a he's got very much a finger. He's a much, very much a fingerprint kind of guy. Sure, like reminds he, me of the Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah, like Michael Mann, like grainy. Like that's that's not a, if if you were to say you know if you were to say like David Fincher, it's like shadowy. Like there's like it's a, like blue. It's like all of his movies are like blue. There's a lot of blue. Yeah, it's like very tint. stark. They're like, they're, yeah, exactly. So they put up uh, a list of 10 movies, 
and said, go ahead and rank them up. Let's, let's, we'll stack rank them. And, and, uh, and so let's just, uh, we won't, I won't read off all the movies, but we'll just start. Um, you might as well. There's only, there's only a handful. There's 10. So just, just okay. give, us, give us the, 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 the inventory and then we'll break it down. All right. Here are the, here are the, here are our, here are our choices. Alien 3, 7, The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. All right. So, um, so we'll just do a quick stack ranking and uh, maybe something, uh, something, will, uh, something will happen. <laughs> I think what's interesting about this list is that I don't think I've ever seen all... I mean, I know all these movies are David Fincher movies, except for, like I said, Alien 3, until I uh-huh. actually saw this graphic. Um, and you know how I feel about Alien 3. I'm not a fan. Uh, all right. But but I think every one of these movies is polarizing in some way. Only maybe one or two of them is sort of universally beloved. Right. Yeah. We'll, let's, uh, we'll get into it. So okay. my my bottom... My, we're going to we'll work from the bottom to the top. My, okay. my, the worst on my particular is uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, two reasons. I, 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 did, I happened across the original before um, this one, and even though the original is, in a, is subtitled, I thought it was a much better movie. Okay. I, there's something about when Daniel Craig isn't James Bond... I just I I'm not I'm not I'm generally not down with him. Really? Yeah. I Have don't you know ever seen I, him before he was James Bond? Yes. Yeah, I saw like like Layer Cake or Yeah, like, Layer Cake's the, the, really good. Yeah, it's good. But I'm just not a huge day. I think Daniel Craig for me is great as James Bond. I like him in that in that regard, but I don't get excited about the rest of his work. And okay. So and I don't know. And, and it's and sometimes the uh the the international import just doesn't 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 really land. Okay. See, I have that movie fourth on this list for me. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and the reason is because it's the kind of movie that like it's it's right at my wife's alley. Thriller, like uh, you know, uh, women oriented, like sort of women led, like you know, women in peril. This is like a thing my wife likes. I'm like, why do you like to watch this? It's so <laughs> stressful. And it's it is the kind of movie that for me, um, I have never seen the original, but I have read the book. Mm, I never and read the books. I've only read the the first book, the the, the very the one that this movie is based on. Uh-huh. And it's the kind of movie that I shouldn't like because I it's a little slow. It's it's not uh, the acting is a little weird, right? It's I guess Fincher movies often have a lot of understated acting too. I mean, yeah. Uh, and but every time I either happen upon it, I, I for some reason I, I like get sucked in. I, I I end up watching it. And I know what happens, and it's like a new mystery every time. I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed the movie the first time I saw it. Surprised myself that I enjoyed it as much as I did, and, and now when I've seen it again, I, I enjoy watching it repeatedly. They keep, they keep trying to relaunch this. There's like another Girl with a Dragon Tattoo movie that just came out recently. They keep trying to... They keep trying to re, they treat, they keep, there's already a series available to us, yeah. and, they keep, and in America, they keep trying to jump it again. It's weird. Anyway. From a franchise standpoint, it's weird. Uh, what do you have as your... What's your bottom? Uh, Alien 3. Alien 3. And that's Alien, pure... Go ahead. Alien 3 is... I like Alien 3 is good. I Maybe like it, it is. But I just can't help but see it... After, you know, all that time had passed. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we're getting a new Alien movie. And I was like, well, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> Again. Yes, it's a little bit... It's it's weird, it's, but it's a really good Ripley story. 
I Maybe mean, I'll have to go watch it again. I, I was just yeah. like, I didn't like the premise right off the bat. Yeah, the fact that the uh, the fact that it you know that Michael Biehn couldn't be in it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> they crash there. It's like, oh, Michael Biehn's dead. I'm like, what the hell? Michael Biehn's dead. That's some bullshit. Yeah, I understand that, but it's. I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting setup for a, for an alien movie, and I like it. You know, and I was thinking about Alien. I'm gonna sidebar here. You know, we'll just run long. <laughs> the the. Uh, I was thinking about Alien Resurrection and how awesome Michael Wincott. What happened to Michael Wincott? He was great for like five years. He'd show up in all kinds of stuff, doing cool things. He was always welcome everywhere, and then all of a sudden, Wincott like doesn't show up anywhere. Did did he even get a like a? They throw him a bone in Game of Thrones. I don't know. No. Like that's perfect for him, right? Yeah. Yes. Why isn't Michael Wincott in Game of Thrones? For God's sake, why isn't he the king of Beyond the Wall? He should have been Beric Dondarrion. Oh, also a good choice. He yes. would have been a good choice. Yes. Why? Why? Where? Where is Michael Wincott? Let's let's have more Michael Wincott in this in this world. I uh, agree. I'm I'm pro Michael Wincott. <laughs> <laughs> My second to last was Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah, again, I don't know. This is so the setup again doesn't work for me. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting story, like I get it, but it's like the 70s and Mark Ruffalo's in it and I'm just <laughs> You don't like, like Mark Ruffalo? Oh, I don't like Mark Ruffalo. What? I just don't like Mark Ruffalo. These are weird takes. <laughs> <laughs> I understand he's talented and he's good at it. It just that 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 story, I don't know, that whole thing just sort of misses me. I just bored to tears. I just didn't it just didn't didn't work for me personally. Where did where did that one end up on your? Uh, on it's your sixth list? for me. Sixth. Okay. And I actually I think my biggest problem with it is that because it's based on a true story, uh-huh. there's no ending. Right. It just con- it's like two and a half hours, almost three hours, and it's like it just it's over, and there's no resolution because it's it's unsolved. So I, that was my problem with the movie, but that's not David Fincher's fault. Um, no. Zodiac is really really good, but I just wish it was. 45 minutes shorter. I, 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 yes, I get that for sure. And that might be his fault. That's probably his fault. Yeah. Um, let's see. What did you have as your second to last? Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. So I, I gotta be honest with you. I have like, I've seen this movie once. I have very little memory of it. And maybe I just saw it at the wrong time, the wrong age. And it wasn't the right movie for me at the time, but I've never watched it again. I don't have any interest in watching it again. Again, I went and read the book after the fact. <laughs> And I still didn't want to watch it again. I was like, yeah. this movie, I don't like it. I love, I love Ben Button. Oh, God. Why? I have Ben Button as number two. Oh, no. I will never. Why? Because oh, I, I. Like, there's... I come to your house and we're having a sleepover. You're going to make me watch Ben Button? No. <laughs> ben Button's something I watch by myself. <laughs> but, no, it's just, a, you know, there's a. And you're right. You probably caught it at a, at a, at a, at the wrong time in your life. But as you get, as, as a is it sort of a getting older kind of movie? It's like, it's a really, it's really, I think it's really good. I think it's really, it's, I think it's powerful for me personally. Plus Kate Blanchett's in it and she's awesome throughout until <laughs> the Swinton's in it. <laughs> we all know I have a weird thing for Tilda Swinton, but, and all the performances are good. And it's kind of like, you know what it is? It's, it's a, um, it's probably a less saccharine take on life than than um force gump it's very it's it has a very it has a very it's very similar to force gump in a lot of ways but um but i think it's it's more of a fanciful 
but less saccharine take on on that that's that kind of a story okay i just you know for me i'm um i remember being bored and um depressed i get that <laughs> so maybe again yeah maybe i'll but, have to watch it again sometime. yeah it is it's a it's a slow burn so uh so i, I get that all right what did you have uh for your number eight did you panic room panic I, my pa- panic room is number eight for me as well it's just okay it's just okay i agree um i think uh i think um dwight yoakam is awesome yeah and i don't know why dwight yoakam doesn't want to work I, my sense is he doesn't want to work because he doesn't want to work yeah but he should work more he's great uh, there's a lot of good things in this movie um but i feel like this is the case where the movie itself is is less than the sum of the parts yeah yeah, like I like all the individual performances almost across the board, um, but I think the premise just sort of sucks. Yeah, and it then I, I I don't know. There's a lot of also the performances like everyone I, I find everyone in this movie is getting on my nerves all the time. <laughs> <laughs> fair, absolutely fair. What do you have for seven? I've have, I have the Social Network at seven. Oh, see that's that's right at the top for me. But I have uh, Gone Girl at seven. I have Gone Girl at six, and uh, yeah, for for all the reasons you should have Gone Girl at six. Another one where I've read the book. Yeah, and just as a book, it just the narrative works just a lot better. It's a lot cleaner because um, there's a lot more room for uh, exposition in the book. Uh huh. And the stuff that hits in the movie, it's it reminds me a little bit of watching a John Grisham uh, movie where I've already read the novel. Yeah. The movie might be good, but it's always going to fall flat because it's missing details and. Right. There are, you know, there are character is characteristics and nuance that you're just not going to get because a lot of the book is um, internal monologue. Yeah. And so there's just that's really hard to adapt. As a movie, I think it's it's good. Uh, the again, the performance is really good. He does seem to get really good work out of his actors. Oh, there's no yeah, there's no question. Yeah. Like I think he gets I think he gets good performances out of. Um, five ahead, the game. Okay, I have, that's right, Zodiac. Uh huh. So, um, you know. The reason, you know, the game, you know, we came off of like a solid decade of Michael Douglas. Yeah. Right. And then by the time we get, we get to the game, I'm just sort of, I know, I really know desire to watch the game again. Well, it's once you know the twist, it's not as fun. It's not a great rewatch, but it is a, it is a good movie. The first time I saw it, it was, it was really yeah, I entertaining. Think, I think I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it. I have a lot um, of fond memories of it. Um, let's see. At number three, I had seven. That's also where I have seven. Yeah. And you had, what did you have at two? We haven't gotten there yet. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Seven's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, that's just a, that, that's just a terrific movie. I was, I was like, had the, uh, I had the, uh, the Brad Pitt big three is at the top of my okay. list. And then, uh, what'd you have at two then? Uh, I have, um, Fight Club at two. Oh, you have Fight Club at two? Yeah. Interesting. I think Social Network's a better movie. Really? Yeah. So you have, you have Social Network on one? Yes. I think it's the best venture movie. I have Fight Club at one. I think it's the best venture movie. I Again, okay, so I have issues with the source material. Oh, yeah. I get the it. movie significantly changes the ending, and that was, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I was, uh, I was, um, I watched, I, I watched the movie before I, I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just a terrific before. It, it does harken back to your uh, Brad Pitt is a Joker yeah. Not a Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And um and the and so that's that's maybe the clearest example of where he's where he's most effective being that guy. So I just wanna 
for anybody, I don't want to ruin the book. It's been what twenty five years. <laughs> you can spoil. I, I think you can. I think you can spoiler Fight Club. Okay, I'm gonna spoiler Fight Club. All right. So in the book, the explosion doesn't happen. So they've been planning. They've been planning. They've been planning. It's all about you know resetting the banks to zero, right? Eliminating all debt and letting everybody start their lives over. Which that's what the that's what the book is about. That's why all this stuff happens with the guy's split personality and everything else. Right. Because this guy wants to get out of his terrible, boring life. Yeah. But the bombs don't go off, um, and he discovers that. If I recall correctly, that um, that Tyler again, so himself, right, mm-hmm. the narrator, um, mixed in paraffin into the bombs, and so that was, and he would have known that, like he knew that it would have caused it not to function. So mm-hmm. there's this whole thing about did he ever really want this to happen, right? Um, and he ends up killing himself in the book. He shoots himself in the head, right? And you think that's the end, or you don't think it's the end? Cause there's pages left, but that's sort of the, the fake ending, right? And then he wakes up in a mental hospital. He thinks he's in heaven because everything's white. And then he realizes he's in a mental hospital. And he's like, oh, well, thank God none of that bad stuff happened. And then it turns out that orderlies in the mental hospital reveal that they're Project Mayhem members. So he successfully started this cult whether he likes it or not. Right. I just, And that's not a good Hollywood ending. But as a novel, that's just it was a really nice ending to him coming to the realization of, you know, who he was vis-a-vis Tyler Durden. Right. And then to have him kind of have relief that the whole plan didn't come off, but then to wake up in this now prison of his own creation. Right. Give it the Shutter Island ending. Oh, wait a minute. I just spoiled Shutter Island. For I think people. I did that like six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. There's your David Fincher ra- stack rank. Yeah. Segment three. So the Emmys was on um, this week. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I wish I had only when I found out that the way they handled the distribution of awards was to have someone come to your house in a full hazmat suit with an Emmy in their hands and stand on your porch if you were nominated. And if you didn't win, they just waved and peaced like they're standing on your porch with with your Emmy. They're in a full biohazard suit. And if you lost, they just took off. (laughs) (laughs) That is genius. And uh, and good work for uh, struggling actors and actresses in Hollywood. So you could just hey hey here's what the Academy wants you to do: Academy of Television. We want you we've to got the put back. The, we've got background jobs for the Emmys. <laughs> we've got. We're gonna pay you scale, and we're gonna have you stand out in, in front of uh, real stars' houses. But the uh, but you know, and congratulations to Dan Levy for having his father's eyebrows. Um, and it was very like expressive. A, <laughs> very very full but the uh but i was thinking to myself i'm gonna let's look what let's look here and see if there's something that i want to watch or something we have watched okay um because if quarantine has provided us nothing else it's provided us some some time to watch some television as we've gone over <laughs> as we've done <laughs> so i'll just i'll just traipse down the uh the series the uh the the categories and we'll see Right. Yeah. So um, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or TV movie. We have Jeremy Irons, Watchmen, Hugh Jackman, Bad Education, Paul Mescal, Normal People, Jeremy Pope, Hollywood and Mark Ruffalo, who won in the I know this much is true. So the only thing I know about the Ruffalo thing is he plays two people in the in the in the in the show. He plays okay, I know literally and, nothing about it. Yeah. Are you interested in any of these shows? Other than well, the fact you you watched Watchmen, yes, uh, Bad Education is still on my <laughs> DVR. Dude, that's gonna be living there for a while. I've, yeah, I'll get I'll get there. 
I've it's gone you. Past, it's you. I'll watch it eventually. I've gone past bad education a couple of times, and I know me. Like, if I if I've walked past you a couple of times, I'm not going to stop. I probably well, won't. It's interesting you brought that up because you're you're sort of your premise when you were showing me when we did the rundown was that the you know are the does the the, the award win make you more interested in the material? Uh-huh. And I was just thinking about how I just cleaned the DVR and like deleted a bunch of Oscar movies that I'm never going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you look at them a couple times, you're like. Uh, here's my opportunity. Yeah. No. Three billboards. So, no. No. Phantom Thread. No. No. Goodbye. <laughs> Just you're not. You're not going to sit through those. I'm not. I hear this normal people show is excellent. Again, I don't. I don't think I've. I don't have. I don't think I've had a chance to. That might be a, a one you watch with your your uh, your so kind of a deal. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like my vibe from what I've seen of it, but I haven't. Ever, I haven't dug into it. No. All right. So, uh, outstanding lead actress in a limited series or TV movie. Kate Blanchett, Mrs. America, pass. Shira Haas and Unorthodox, which my wife was watching and I watched a couple episodes of it. It's, it's pretty good, uh, although it didn't. I wasn't hanging around for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Regina King, Watchmen, who she who won. Congratulations. Octavia Spencer and Self Made, pass. And Kerry Washington and Little Fires Everywhere. I think we've covered this. We have, <laughs> um, but I did see. I did see that one. <laughs> She's making the face at me again. Um, any of these? Any of these? Uh, any of these uh, interest you at all? No, no, I can't. I mean, like theoretically, I'd be interested in the political stuff, but I don't want to watch anything that I don't know. That Schlafly, 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 I don't. I don't want to learn more about that person. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. All right. Supporting actor in a limited series or movie. Which is the best part of this? Is the that the guy who played um, Lewis Gossett Jr. Well, Lewis Gossett Jr., who plays, I forget the name of the character, Hooded Justice as yes. the old guy, yeah. and Young Hooded Justice both get nominated. <laughs> Wait, and isn't, no, I'm, it, that's not Young Hooded Justice. Joven Adepo is Young Hooded Justice. Oh. And then, and then, and then, um, and then, of course, Dr. Manhattan yes. wins. Which is great because he had to get his dong out for this, this. This, I mean, if you get your dong out for 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 uh, for a TV role, I think maybe you should win. Yeah, and I think we mentioned this back when it happened, but I saw an interview with him where he didn't know until they were well into filming that that was the end game for that character. Yeah. So he didn't know that he was going to have to get the dong out when he signed on. <laughs> hey, guess what? You won an Emmy. Yeah. And so, congratulations. Um, so here's so there's a thing called Hollywood. I don't know what Hollywood is about, but the Mm-mm. fact that Dylan McDermott and Jim Parsons are both in it and nominated for it makes me want to not watch it. No, <laughs> take a pass. And Titus Burgess for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and uh, I think a lot of people have enjoyed that. I think my wife watched that, and uh, I did not. I watched the first season of it, and I did not return. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't. It wasn't for you. It wasn't funny enough. Oh, okay. Just, just Titus kind of, Burgess is really funny. He's yeah. the funniest part of the show. Got it. Supporting actress in a limited series or movie. Again, Hollywood and Mrs. America showing up again. Holland Taylor, who's... Holland Taylor's been in TV for like a hundred years. Do you know who Holland Taylor is? I don't think so. She was... I think the first time I saw Holland Taylor, she was the hilarious boss of Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari in uh, Bosom Buddies. Oh, okay. Yes, I do know her, who she is. I just did not know her name. She's always terrific. Like Holland Taylor, when Holland Taylor shows that she's usually terrific, so it doesn't surprise me she's on here. Um, Uzo Aduba, I don't know who that is. Margot Martindale, Margot Martindale's awesome. 
Usually. If you watched, if yeah, if you watched, uh, if you watched some, uh, some, um, what's the Justified? Uh, Justified. <laughs> that, that season of Justified is so stinking good. Tracy Ullman, I Tracy Ullman's around. I like. She's still Tony, making TV, yeah. Tony Collette, Gene Smart is awesome in Watchmen. Again, yeah. as you could tell, I'm the <laughs> Watchmen's the only thing I like really was invested in on this list. But Gene Smart is terrific in Watchmen. When Watchmen ended, I was like. I think that's the best single season of television I've ever seen. <laughs> Pretty like, good. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, I always confuse um, Margot Martindale and Anne Dowd. Oh, yes, I can see that. It's, it's the squinty eyes and the vaguely old. <laughs> <laughs> vaguely old. She could be 55. She could be 65. She could be yeah. 70. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson. I've never watched any Blackish. I've watched it here and there. Uh, I don't watch any network Black comedies. Monday. I don't even. Cheetles on TV. Yeah, I watch Black Monday. Yeah, is it good? Uh, is it good? What's the set? <laughs> what's what's the setup? What does he do? It's a uh, it's eighties stock trading. Okay, it's, it's an eighties period piece. Of course, I'm watching it. <laughs> Fine. Ted Danson, I've heard a lot of things about Good Place. I'm like maybe one of the only people I know who's never watched any Good Place. I, I watched like the first two seasons on Netflix. Here's Michael Douglas coming in. Michael Douglas showing up in his old age. Eugene Eugene Levy, who's obviously, um, I mean, Schitt's Creek apparently won everything. It did for every comedic award. Um, so I didn't watch Schitt's Creek. I love Catherine O'Hara. Um, I, I tend although to tolerate... she's a, although she's she's she has played terrible mom for a long time. Like yes. she, first of all, she left her child alone over Christmas. That's so and, you know she's and, down for a good time. And ever since <laughs> and ever since then, she's been playing bad mom. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, I I actually I think I didn't watch it because I don't like the title's too obvious. I'm like really, this Shit's Creek, yeah. and it started as like these rich people who are now poor, and I'm like I don't. I've seen this a million times. So Green, it's Green Acres. Yeah, I'm like maybe it got funny, but the what I saw of the first season, and maybe it's you know I need to give it a chance, much like the American Office or, or and Parks and Recreation, these are other shows that mm-hmm. maybe didn't start hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with comedy, if you don't get me in the first maybe three or four episodes, I'm probably not returning to your show. And no. it's only got to be like one joke. There's got to be one joke where it just clicks for me. It, yeah, it hooks you. Yeah. The um yeah so. I don't know. They won. They won the whole. They they ran off with it. But yeah, I think um, I did watch. I did watch it sporadically as my wife was watching it, and I thought, okay, pretty good, whatever. And then, okay. yeah, kind of a fish out of water thing. But I think maybe that was just a lifetime achievement award because I think the series is over, right? Perhaps. Yeah, I think maybe they just decided. I'm not read up on my Shit's Creek news. <laughs> I think they. I think they might be done. Um, outstanding lead actress in a comedy series, and it it, it made me laugh that Christina Applegate and Linda Cardinelli were were nominated for Dead to Me because is that supposed to be a comedy? <laughs> I've watched, I've watched, I've watched. I can't figure out what it is. I watched a decent amount of that first season, and I was like, this. And then I I see this. It's like that. That's a comedy. That's supposed to be a comedy. I'm not it's, sure. It's, it's dramedy, right? It's. Did you call her Linda Cardinelli? What a card Cardellini. Yeah, yes, I did call her Cardinelli. I don't know why. She oh deserves God. more respect. She, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I just sort of reading off the side of my eyebrow. She's been calling her Jennifer Colony. <laughs> hey, <laughs> see, <laughs> well, that's how some of us feel about Linda Cardellini. All right, well, that's Linda. Velma, baby. Don't mess around. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, again, it's, I would I would go through any of any or all of this, but all the winners are Shit's Creek. Yeah. But Will um, I watch Shit's Creek? Probably not. Well, this is so. The other thing is, what would it take for you to subscribe and start watching Apple Plus? It's not happening. <laughs> I don't care how how because I see some of these shows and I think God I would watch that I'd watch the I'd watch the um I'd watch the soccer coach I'd watch that one I'd sure. watch the, I'd watch that one for sure I want to watch that Tom Ted Hanks Lasso movie. yeah the Tom Hanks uh, submarine movie or the the Navy movie yeah I'd watch that I'm not subscribing no not and you I'm know sorry. why. Because Cobra Kai has taught me I don't need to subscribe to anything else. It'll Just come wait. to you. It'll Correct. come to you. I'm after, patient. After Apple folds its tent on this whole streaming bit business, like somebody, it'll fall into your lap. Somehow. Someone's like, I need some royalties. Please sell our show to Netflix. Right. Yeah. And this is and this is the same thing that's happening with twenty dollar pay per view movies. Like they're just gonna fall into your lap. Like I noticed that Invisible Man is now on HBO. So now, instead of paying Universal $20 six weeks ago or two months ago, it's like, now I get to watch it for on a subscription that I already own. Well, this is something you and Brian covered that I agree with, which is I will pay the 20 or $30 for first-run content, but only if everyone in the house is going to watch it. I'm right. certainly not. If it's just me, no, I will just wait. Yeah. There's no zeitgeist anymore. Nobody, who, who gives a shit? Who am I talking to about it? <laughs> you? <laughs> you? <laughs> you, Lieutenant Weinberg? Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, that's it for the segments, and so you know what part this is. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All oh, right. We got a little hit and miss here. <laughs> that's what we should call this Dad jokes of the week. It's a little hit and miss here. That's, that should be the name of this part of the show. That's a long acronym. It really is. Oh, wait. I have one from Brian. Oh. Who, who riffed on our moth going into the vagina <laughs> moment from last week. I, so, uh, All right. You want to start with that? Recent, yes, yeah, I'm going to start with Brian because I'm going to get these out of the way because it's horrific. Thanks, Brian, for, for your contributions. <laughs> I do appreciate you filling in for me, though, a weeks ago. Uh, Brian says, a moth walks into a vagina. He sees a redneck caterpillar who says to him, Hey, fella, can you help me out of here? I can't seem to find the butt or fly. <laughs> I guess <laughs> so I guess the caterpillar doesn't want to be in the middle he'd like to go either to the butt or to the fly and I guess he's a redneck because he said er I don't. maybe Brian come on and clarify <laughs> Brian immediately sent um, the next day wait no not, not, not the next day how long how long between these emails I just want to know uh, yeah the next day Brian decided that wasn't good enough. So well, really? Continue. That joke isn't good enough? It's not good enough. So here's an alternate version of the moth joke. All Brian. right. A moth went into a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> he says, boy, this place could show you some balls. What? Because moths, there's moth balls. <laughs> and the vagina does not have balls. This is... This Look, I didn't worst. write these jokes. This Don't ask me any questions. This is a terrible joke series. This is my moth walks into a vagina joke series. <laughs> like, how many jokes could I write about uh, this? Yeah. I probably could write half a dozen. Maybe next week. <laughs> Great. I don't look forward to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the proper jokes for the week here. We've got, what kind of bird is always sad? 
Bluebird. Mm. Sure. According to experience. seasonal seasonal depression and it's, it's quarantine a real thing, man. and quarantine depression. Get under that UV light. That's right. Get your vitamin D. Get yourself a weighted blanket. This podcast not brought to you by Athletic Greens. <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> according to construction professionals, what is the best side of the ho- the house to build a porch on? <laughs> the, the outside. outside. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, how does a thread get to school? Spool bus? That's correct. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry now. That's, just, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. A carton of yogurt walks into a bar. The bartender <laughs> says, get out of here, yogurt. We don't serve your kind here. Why not, says the yogurt. I'm a cultured individual. I think this joke works better if it's yogurt from Spaceballs walks into a bar. That's right. <laughs> Oh. Harper was just about to fall asleep when her dad came in with a tape measure. She watched as her dad stopped four feet from the bed, then started pushing the tape out toward her face. It got closer and closer until it practically touched her nose. Dad, I'm trying to sleep, she said. What are you doing? Dad replied, I'm just measuring your patience. What? what? He's you're, harassing her. You're measuring my patience. I didn't write the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I just insisted on the segment two years ago. <laughs> I bought a dog for my friend the blacksmith today. As soon as we got home, he made a bolt for the door. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. It's not the worst. Did the dog make the bolt or the friend? He made a bolt. I, oh, I wish I had my like proper English terminology for when you're confusing the, the article of your operator. No. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. When pirates ransack a town, why do they always head to the music store? For the loot. But I'm <laughs> for the loot. <laughs> for the loot. Nice. Terrible. What do you got? My joke is worse than all those. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I went to a concert last night where I saw forty five cent. It was fifty cent but with nickelback. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's like the octopus on when people <laughs> do the red zone not red zone, but people call that you score the six Oh my God! Ooh, yeah. Going well tonight. What's that? This is a. If you score a touchdown and the two point conversion, that's an octopus. Is, oh, that's what they're calling it. I hope not. <laughs> but yes, they are. Oh, it's upsetting. Oh, overtime. Overtime. So today, food expert and noted, noted food pedant Alton Brown. Alton Brown. Sorry. Alton. It's Alton, but see, I grew up in Illinois, and there's a town near where I grew up called Alton, and he would say it was Alton. Alton Brown said, let me put this to rest. Cheesecake is pie. He just said it. He just says that. That's what he says. Okay. So. People are upset by this? Well, you know, this is the kind of the hot dog is a sandwich argument, which. Okay. Which I came down firmly as hot dog is a sandwich. I think you were on, I think you were dissenting on that. No, I think by the letter of the law, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's meat yeah. between two slices of bread. I'm not. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> You're not upset about it. No. Um, and I did post it onto my Facebook, and there was quite a bit of, 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 teasing this apart. Okay. So I'm I shocked. Just, <laughs> this is this is my favorite kind of goofy internet argument. It's basically pointless, and it's basically harmless, and everyone gets to have a little fun. Okay. With it, but. 
I think that the way cheesecake is presented to us in this day and age, it is absolutely pie. Like they put like a graham cracker crust on the bottom and then they fill that graham cracker crust with, with the, with the cheesecake filling. Yeah. It's like a pumpkin pie. And then it gets, and then it gets, uh, then it gets cooked or chilled or whatever until it's served right in slices like a pie. So it, that feels like pie. It reads like pie. But as I was teasing this apart, someone said, if it doesn't have a top crust on it, it's not a pie. That makes it a tart. So is a pumpkin pie a pumpkin tart? It is. So all tarts are pies, but not all pies are tarts. Okay, so then cheesecake is pie. It's subject. And then I dug a little further. Okay. Because I wasn't satisfied with that. There is, of course, a the original type of cheesecake where it's not. There's no bottom crust. No, it's a cylinder. Right, and it's baked, and it has, and it creates that little skin around it. Right, it like the whole thing becomes, and that is the cheesecake. But I think what we're eating, what we've been sort of given all of our lives, is not really cheesecake. It is the pie. But originally, I think the cheesecake was, in fact, a cake. I I, ten, I mean, I think it really boils down to presentation here. Yeah. Because I've had a cheesecake back before I stopped eating these <laughs> such things. Right. That was like a like a six inch tall cylinder, maybe six inches tall and maybe four or five inches in diameter. Uh huh. And so it looks like a cake. It had yeah. like even decorated on the top. And oh. then it actually did have the crust in the middle so it had like two layers of cheesecake with the crust in the center but you couldn't see that until you cut into it and that's for sure a cake yeah yeah so it can be presented as a cake yeah i think this is a this you put this in here and i was like oh that's interesting and then my first thought was i don't give a fuck about this (laughs) (laughs) well you should god damn it because this is what's going on in the world okay i had some other thoughts about golf if you're done with this Sure, Ty. Let's talk about <laughs> golf. Do you want to talk more about the cheesecake? Do you have more to say? No, I don't. I just okay. think that um, whatever it is, I'm down for eating it. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, if I could, I would eat it also. Love me some would, cheesecake. That will lay me out. So this is. I just wanted to talk because we're going to talk about the U.S. Open. I didn't get a chance to to mention a couple of things. And so since the overtime was originally conceived as somewhere that we would sure. return to our previous topics, I thought yeah. would, I could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I mentioned this to you the other day when we were talking offline that um, a proposal I saw for fixing the game, the game of golf for bombers versus shorter hitters was just to not have rough until you got to like 300 yards. And my first reaction to that is that's how, in my opinion now, all like public and amateur golf courses should be set up. Like there just shouldn't be any rough. Like just mow the whole, mow everything for the first 300 yards. Yeah. And then you put the rough in starting there all the way up to the green. And I think that it can get progressively harder as you get closer. I kind of like that idea too. Yeah. I think that, so yeah. So most golf courses that have parallel fairways, it might get, the mowing might get slightly tricky, but Just mow it all. <laughs> mow it all. <laughs> but like, but I understand what you're saying. Like you, cause most golf courses you'll have like some fairway bunkers and then, like, everything beyond the fairway bunker should just be a goddamn mess. <laughs> it, should just be this, it, should be, it should just be fraught with danger. Yeah. Like, that's where all the tall grass should be. That's where all the... So, if you're just 
poking it out there like most recreational golfers like hey i'm short of the cross bunker anyway so nothing's happening for me like it's fine but i just i have to take two or three extra clubs to get into the into the green from here but if you can hit it 35 yards past me then you have to deal with the bs yeah because you're obviously a better golfer you can hit it farther it might not be your the best play I like that. I like that. I like that idea. I like that idea. Can we apply that to any other? <laughs> can, can we, can, that would be like making uh, like the like a baseball stadium where everything from the power alley to the to the to the foul pole, like the the wall would be three times taller. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could do weird stuff like that. I, I like that idea. I think if you have that, I mean, a lot of state that's what the green monster is, right? Yeah. It's if short. You're hit so it over here. You got to hit it a thousand feet in the air. Right. Right. So that's a, so yeah, I like the I like that idea. I think that uh boy, if I knew somebody who owned a golf course, I'd make them do it. <laughs> it's, It'd be interesting. I'm cur- I'd be curious to see how the average player felt about it after trying it. And I hear what you're saying about parallel fairways, but my take on that would be that at some point there's a line of demarcation and if you hit it so badly that you're in the other rough for the coming the other way, yeah. well that that's sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's that you hit it so badly that you, you have to now deal with the rough. Right. But I understand like I can I'm I'm picturing the courses that I play for the most part and uh it's very easy to it's very easy to imagine like let's say number one at Bellevue, which we're very familiar with. You could mow that whole thing out all the way to the cross bunker. Yeah. And then narrow the whole thing up past that by double yeah so if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna rock one 255 250 plus you're gonna have to deal with you have to take on a little extra danger yeah and i'd play the course differently i would because i hit driver on that hole all the time and it's totally not necessary yeah anyway, no, I, like I like this it. idea i do i think let's uh we'll, we'll make some phone calls uh, all right <laughs> I'll, I'll send some call tweets. alex myers get, get him on it <laughs> i'll send some tweets all right yeah you do that i'm, I'm very influential on golf twitter Good. That makes one of us. <laughs> well, that's all the show we have for the show today. Okay. Well, that's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to 2 on 3 Pod, where we hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, and staying six feet away from each other, especially me. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review via your favorite podcast provider, and don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We promise if you send in jokes, we won't make fun of you like we make fun of Brian. No, I don't promise. <laughs> we'll be back but- next week with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism. But until then... Peace!